0: Thanks for tuning in to Faith Online. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. Cool. How are we this morning? How did you find the um, hour less in bed? A bit of a pain, really. I ended up waking up at five this morning. So bad. So bad. So when I was asked to speak about Mother's Day or speak on Mother's Day, I wasn't really too sure what to talk about, um, just because it's quite a big topic. Um, But I was kind of... Thinking when I was preparing my message, I was thinking about actually I don't really want to do a message just on mothers. Because I think that's quite specific, isn't it? Really, when you think about just mothers. When you think of mothers, you think of everything that they are, what they carry, the kindness that they have, the love, that they're always there for you when you're sick or ill, or when you just need someone to cry on, essentially, really. <laughs> they're always there for you. But when I was I was kind of just thinking, but we all have this. We all have these tendencies. Dads are like that, brothers are like that, sisters. Children, grandmas, granddads, anyone can have these tendencies to nurture like mums. So, I do apologise. If you came here this morning thinking that you're going to have a Mother's Day specific message, you're not going to get it from me. (laughs) Bye, Mike. (laughs) But it's more of a message about how we all have these, these nurturing qualities and how we all can be mothers, regardless of who we are. So, um... Might have noticed I've got some things with me. I'm going to be doing a little bit of a demonstration throughout this morning just because I fought Mother's Day and I like flowers. Many of you may know I love making flowers, arranging flowers in my spare time, so I thought, why not? I've got a flowery shirt on, I've got flowery earrings, I'm feeling flowery today. So, hence the flowers. Um, So, just going to be breaking down five key things um, this morning about flower arranging and about how to prepare your flowers, especially in the run up to, to Easter as well. You're going to be probably getting a lot of flowers or people are going to be receiving flowers. So this is just five key things that you can do to help prepare them. Um, But we're going to be looking at John 4. And this is um, the woman by the well. Some of you may be familiar with this verse. I didn't pick it because there's a woman in there specifically. It's nice that there is a woman. However, that is not the key as to why I chose that verse. It's more about how Jesus responds to her, what he says, and how he slowly breaks her down. So we're going to start by picking up from verse 1. Um, it should come up on the screen. Here we go. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them. His disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, or Sychar, or... Sichar, or however you want to say that, uh, near the field that Jacob left to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. So the first thing we do when we're preparing flowers is, oh, I'm going to fall down. We're good, we're good. What you need is you need, you need a vase, a key, very, very, very key. You need some scissors as well, also very key. And you also need some water for your flowers. So, I have prepared a few of these flowers previously to be in here. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Because I thought, it's got quite a few flowers here. But the first thing you want to do when you're preparing flowers is you cut the end of the stem about an inch from the bottom. So you literally just clean cut just off the top. And it falls everywhere. So we do this because flowers in transportation, and when you buy them from shops as well, the ends of the stem can be a bit dry. They can also be a bit brown, a bit grubby looking, and it can stop the flower actually from taking in water. So florists do that just to encourage the flower itself to provide water and to keep the flower itself, the head, nourished. Which leads us to the first point. So I'm going to quickly just cut, I think I've got a couple in here, I'm just going to cut a few of them. So again, nice and clean, getting rid of the brown ends. 101 and flowers, right? (laughs) I know, I should get my blue Peter badge on. (laughs) So this kind of ties into my first verse that I want to look at and dissect a little bit, which is verse 7 to verse 9 of John 4. And it says Soon a Samaritan woman came to drink, to draw water from the well. And Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food, probably to get lunch um, from the local supermarket or whatever. Um, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So given a bit of context to this... um, Jesus is obviously a Jew, and she's a Samaritan woman in a Samaritan village. It is noontime because the verse that we read up before is noon, so no one else would be around because who would really draw water at noontime? It's high time. The sun's in the sky. It's going to be really hot. Probably not a great place to draw water because you're, you're going to get dehydrated when you're doing it. But there's a, there's a reason why she's doing it. She's avoiding people. So all the ladies would come out in the morning. They would draw water together. And it was a social thing. They'd get to catch up. they get to talk to each other, see each other. She's avoiding everyone, so she's doing it at noontime. In verse 9, it says um, that Jews and Samaritans would not talk to each other. There's a lot of historical and political aspects as to why that is i'm not going to go into too much detail because that's a, in itself another thing but if you do want to do some extra studying on your your sunday afternoon or your week you can have a look at two kings and ezra in the old testament and it kind of explains a bit about why that that is there but they don't get on they never spoke in that's another thing when jesus talks about um the good samaritan again in in the new testament that's another thing about samaritans and jews not getting on but he uses that as an example so here he is, you've got Jesus sitting by the well, and here she is coming to draw water out. And you've obviously got this conflict and this known conflict between the two of them because they would have been brought up with it. It would have been something that they were told as children oh, don't talk to the Samaritans, they don't believe what we do. Or oh, you don't want to talk to them. Or oh, don't go near the Jews, you don't want to go near them. They, you know, they talk about different things to us. But here Jesus is, and he cuts that. He cuts that straight up in front of her, and he talks to her just by saying, can I have some water? Obviously, she's surprised because she wasn't expecting a Jew to be talking to her, especially at noontime, especially around a water well. But we can do that with our lives, can't we? There's things that Jesus can cut that we need to address. the stuff at the roots, like we were cutting the end of the stem, the roots. For me, me personally, it's my self-worth. It's how I see myself, how I compare myself to other people. For some of you, it could be the same. It could be something completely different. It could be rejection from a family member. It could be rejection from your whole family. They don't believe in what you believe, so they've rejected you. they pushed you out. It could be something, something completely different. Like you could have been abused. You could have been bullied. You've been carrying those words around, those hateful words, those things that have just become you, that have caused the root. It could be a health thing. Oh, I'm only known as this person. It could be a speech thing. Oh, I'm only known because I can't talk properly. I don't use my words correctly. It could be so many different things. But here Jesus is sitting there and he addresses the issue outright. He crosses that barrier, that abyss that's between them, that history, that political conflict, that feud. Like a flower, like music. Music. I love music so much because there's something that music says without actually saying. You know, music is a language within itself. You can listen to a song like, like Eden was singing. She was singing it, but there's so much more to that song. There's so much depth to it. It's the same as flowers. You can give flowers to someone. You may not be speaking the same language, but a flower can say so much more than what you can say physically. You can say something like, I love you, with flowers, but not actually physically say it. You can say it with a smile to, to someone that speaks a completely different language to you, and they still grasp what you're trying to say. Because you're saying it with a smile. But it goes to the root, doesn't it? It cuts it at the root. So in verse 10 to 14, I'm going to come off the screen again. I'm going to pick up from where Jesus says, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you you would ask me and I would give you living water. So he starts drawing her in by talking about this eternal life, this water. He's slowly talking about taking away the roots, cutting those roots that we first spoke of, cutting the root of the flower, the dry bits, the stuff that she's not getting much from, the stuff that's stumping her from taking in this living water. We can take all of this in today, like I said before, like when we cut a root of something, when we cut the root cause of something, it's taking away what's dead what's dry, what's contaminated, what's not drawing in the nourishment that you need, like the flower, we're cutting it at the root, it's a new wound, when you cut a flower at the root, it's a fresh wound, so it's, it's open and it's sore, but it heals with fresh water that comes in, it encourages it to take in more water, Jesus is showing the woman this, that there's a living water that she can drink that's not just from this well that Jacob has given. It's not that from the well that the Samaritans know to be. It's from something so much greater, so much bigger than it. But that's not all. So, the second thing we do when we do flower arranging is that we um, strip the thorns and the leaves off. Let's take it back to uh, my bucket. So on roses in particular, you will get some quite large thorns at the end of them, and you just want to take them off. And the reason we take them off is because it's actually quite hard to hold them when they've got thorns on. Sounds obvious, really, doesn't it? But can you imagine holding that and holding it really tight and then coming away with a thorn stuck in your hand? I've come away from so many different arrangements with, like, my hands were cut or bloody because I've had a thorn just lodged in there for a, for a few hours. It's not very nice. And then the second thing we do is we strip off the leaves that we don't want. So the leaves that are at the bottom. I generally leave about three or four or six inches at the top just with a little bit of leaf because I quite like it like that. But we do that because it gives a nice clean stem and it means that you don't get hurt as well. So when you are arranging flowers, you're putting them together so you don't have loads of leaves that are stuck in the way. So it's nice that you can just hold it in one place like that. Is that cool? Yeah. Are we were taking notes of floral ranging 101? <laughs> so Jesus in the Bible in, in verses 16 to 18 says, go and get your husband. And she replied, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You have a five husbands. And the man, you're married to, the man you're living with, you aren't even married to. You've certainly spoken the truth. Can you imagine sitting there? By the way, I'll just go to get your water. And this man's sitting there standing, well, asking you for water. And then all of a sudden he says, Yeah, I know everything about you. I know that you've had five husbands. And the man you're currently living with isn't your husband. So, yeah, you spoke the truth. You definitely spoke the truth. But he's outlining something to her that he already knew. He was bringing it to the surface. It wasn't like an unspoken thing between. It wasn't a secret. But he... He does it in such a way that only he can, is not it? Can you imagine if I did that and I said that to someone? It will probably come across a bit like, I know something you don't know. A bit like, oh, i got a secret. (laughs) It will look like I'm judging them, that I'm arrogant because I know something about them that they don't want other people to know, isn't it? What is Jesus speaking to you about this morning? What things in your life do you need addressing? What things is he bringing to the surface in only a way that he can? With no judgment, no hatred, no force, just, yeah, no, I know. I know what you're going through. I know what you're carrying. I know it's a secret that you want to hold on to, but I want to bring it to the surface. I want to help you. I want to cut it. I want to get rid of the thorns, get rid of the leaves, and cut it at the root. But it's not easy breaking off those thorns, is it? Let's be honest. It's not easy addressing those things. The stuff that stings, the cuts that we give ourselves, the thorns that have grown from us, the blame that we, we hold on to. Could be a bad habit. Could be pornography. It's a big thing at the moment. It could be drugs, an addiction. Could be an eating disorder. Could be Blame. Something that has stemmed from the root, that is causing you hurt and pain, that is causing you to hold your head low, that is causing you not to feel good about yourself. I'm talking to myself as well here. I've got issues. No one's perfect. Poor Jordan has has to deal with a lot. Times when I'm getting dressed in the morning, I'm like, yeah, I feel really good. And I look at myself in the mirror and I think, I don't actually look like what I think like in my head. So and then I'm just like, right, next outfit. And before you know all the clothes are on the bed, and I'm like rushing out to work, not in a good mood. But we're all like that, aren't we? There's all there's all things that we tell ourselves, stuff that we stand from from a root. But these are all they're all connected, aren't they? You can see a link between the two of them, between the, the root between the thorns and the leaves that we need to strip off. It's cool. So we're going to look at the woman's response in verse 19. So she says, Sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here by Mount Gerizim, or Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? She takes it back to the root again. She's like, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. you you're saying all this, what about this? What about everything that I've known? Don't we do that as well? We say, oh, God, I'm not worthy. People would judge me for speaking out, for saying all of this stuff. I was told all of this stuff when I was younger. I can't do that. But I can imagine we wouldn't be as as well-formed as she was in her response. Probably like, why? (laughs) Crying on the floor or something like that. Why, Jesus? But what about this? What about everything I've told? What about my whole childhood? Everything that I based my life on? What about this? Does that not count? Does me being sexually harassed as a child not count for anything? Me having depression, does that not count? Me that I can't read or write properly? That I got a speech impediment? Does that not matter to you, God? But let's take a look at Moses in Exodus with a burning bush. God called Moses. Despite the fact him, well, well, he was a murderer. You can read more about that in Exodus. He was a murderer. He was a prince of Egypt. He had a stutter. And yet he sat in the presence of God and said, why me? Send someone else to go. Someone that's got more confidence. Someone that hasn't killed someone. Someone that can speak properly. Moses was really insecure with who he was. But God helped to cut those ties, to strip back those thorns, those leaves. He cut it at the root. And if you look at the story in Exodus, you can see how much Moses grew. The man that he became at the end of Exodus, he was a mighty man of God. And he faced his fears, and God provided him with purpose, and he nourished him, and he cared for him throughout his whole journey to becoming this man. We can get that today. We can grasp that water. We can grasp and take that support and that nourishment that God provides us with. It's not something that's just an Old Testament thing. It's something we can grab today. It's here today. And sometimes I forget, we we look at these big Bible characters and we think, oh yeah, well that happened in those days. No, no, no. It's happening today. You can grab that today. That water is caring. It cares for you. It nourishes you like a mother cares and nourishes for its child. We're going to move on to point number three now, because we love a five-point service, don't we? (laughs) So once we cut off the end of the stem of the flower and we stripped off all the thorns and the excess leaves, we are going to take off some of the petals. And you may think, why? Because petals are there for a reason. But there there is reason and purpose for my insanity in this. So, around the head of the flower, particularly on roses or flowers that have got a lot of more petals and leaves. So you've got renanculus that are also very similar, and peonies that have a lot of flowers around it and a lot of petals. You would find these smaller green leaves, green petals, and they're called guard petals. Now, these are there to protect the flower as a bud. So you know when a flower is like a rose is closed, you've got the green petals around it, the green leaves. They are there for protection, so they're guard petals. When the flower opens up, these guard petals can take a bit of a battering through transportation, through, through weathering and everything like that. And they may not look as nice as you'd like them to. So what you do is you literally just pluck them out. But you're also looking at other petals that may have also taken a bit of a beating. So ones that are ripped or that are brown. So you're just plucking them out. And then I like to look at the shape that I'm going for with the rose. If I want the rose to be central. So if I've taken too many petals off one side, I like to even it up. That's just me. I'm a little bit OCD with that, but you don't have to do that. So we like a nice clean rose so you can see it as it is. You can see all the colour, all the different markings on the petals, you can see all the veins and everything like that, how the how the flowers get nourished, and then it allows the flowers to open up further as well. So roses, when they're fully open, they do look a bit like peonies, but they are really beautiful because you can actually see the center of it. Whereas normally, you can't really see the center because of all the petals around it. When you give it time to grow, it can grow up to probably about that big, which is quite pretty. Um, So yeah, that's another another thing that you do with petals. (laughs) So let's take a look at Jesus' response again to the woman by the well. We're going to pick it up in verse 21. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But a time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, for those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. (laughs) Jesus is starting to strip back everything that she knew. All the little things about that she was told when she was a child, about where to worship, about sacred places. He's stripping them back. And notice how he says, indeed, it is here now. Time for worship. He's here, physically in front of her, and he says, oh, indeed, it's here now. You can worship now you samaritans can worship now i'm going to continue reading from verse 25 the woman said i know the messiah is coming the one who is called christ when he comes he will explain everything to us then jesus told her i am the messiah just then his disciples came back from the supermarket they were shocked to find him talking to a woman but none of them had the nerve to ask what do you want with her why were you talking to her The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who has told everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So like Jesus taking those petals back, we saw at the beginning of the story, a woman that was taking water at noontime, that she was avoiding people. She didn't want to have those conversations or that eye contact with people. And here she is, near the end of the story, where she runs back into the village and says, come and meet this man. Come and see him. He told me everything I did. I didn't say anything to him. He told me everything I ever did. He knows who I am. He cuts the root. He takes off the thorns, the petals. He strips back and shows her who she is, who she's called to be. The love that he has for her, how he can nourish her, how she can have this fresh living water. When we engage with Jesus, when we come into his presence, he can see right to the root of our issues. He can see right to the cause of all of our insecurities, all of our self-worth, what we carry with us, the baggage that we hold on to. But he starts to take that back, little by little, he starts to strip that back and allows us to open up, like when we do with the petals, when we take off the guard petals, take off the petals that are dead, ones that are ripped, allows them to open up and to show actually what they really like from the center. God does that to us. He allows us to open up. He nurtures us. He cares for us. He provides fresh water for us. He cuts the root of the stem, and he supports us through it all. In health and safety, um, Going back to my health and safety roots for a second, we all have a bit of health and safety policies and all of that. Um, when an accident or an incident happens in the workplace, someone will come in and they will do like an investigation as to why that's happened. They'll look at the root causes as to why, and they'll also look at the underlying factors as to why that could have potentially happened. Um, so, for example, it could be someone slipped in the workplace. So they'll come in and they'll be like, "Oh, someone slipped in the workplace." Right? Okay. The like clipboards and everything, and the hard hats on, and the the toe steel cap boots and stuff. Probably not if they're inside. <laughs> but it could be that there well, wasn't enough signage on the floor. It could be that the, the liquid that was used to make the floor cleaning or the proportions were wrong, so the floor was still slippery after it dried. It could be that the equipment hadn't been um, serviced in a while, so it was faulty, so it wasn't actually cleaning the floors at all. It could be that the equipment was left out, that the cleaner had decided to go to the toilet or go for a cigarette, or just decided to leave for the day and not put stuff away. could be so many things, but they look at it in each part, each section, and they take a step back, and they look at it as a whole. got all of these different causes, all of these different factors causing one root cause, and they try and connect them together to find out what is actually the problem here, what actually happened. But it's like that, isn't it? We've got all of these different factors, all of these different layers that we put on ourselves. We've got these sawns and these sore spots that we don't, oh, no, don't touch me then. Oh, no, no, that's a sore spot for me. Don't talk to me like, oh, no, no, no. And then we've got the root cause. This is everything I've known. This is everything I was brought up with. But God doesn't leave us on our own to do it. He doesn't say, here you go, off you go, enjoy. No, he's there supporting us like a mum. Caring for us, nourishing us, loving us, feeding us, and reinforcing us. So the fourth point this morning is reinforcing the head of the flower. So when you do flower arranging, maybe not in a vase, but not maybe not in a vase like this, but in flower arranging, um, so say you're making like a centerpiece or something like that for a table, or you're doing a reef or something like that, you may want to reinforce the head of the flower, because if it's out of water for a long time, it can get a bit droopy. It can start to wilt. Um, So on these roses, they are a little bit sturdier, but I'll show you. So what you need is you'll need a little bit of wire like this. A bit bendy. But essentially, what you do is you get your flower. If you want to keep it in its shape, you hold it. Up against the top of the flower, and you—if I can—pop it in there, and you literally just wrap it around the neck of the flower. So it's providing support for the head of the flower. So if it gets a bit wilted, it's not going to go very far. So it means that when you're making an arrangement, you can have it sit how you want it to sit, which is quite handy, especially when making arrangements. That's point number four of one-on-one flower arranging. We're going to pick up in verse 31. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And they're like saying, Did did someone bring in food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are ripe and ready for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is, is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. So he's showing the disciples that his nourishment comes from God. His fuel comes from God. That life and that that care comes from God, and comes from doing what God has called him to do. He also shows them that they don't need to wait months or years to grasp the harvest someone has been doing the harvest all along that person's journey all along the samaritan's life he saw the time was there the time was ripe the fruit was ripe for harvest and he grasped that god provides everything for us from the get go doesn't he he doesn't so say we were born. He doesn't leave us until we get to a point where we actually have an encounter with Jesus. He doesn't. This isn't black and then life. There's stuff happening in the pre bit, the pre-encounter. He's nourishing us all for our lives. Encounter with Jesus, but the account, the nourishment doesn't stop. He continues to nourish us like the water. Like he talks about, the living life, fresh flowing water, bubbling stream. We'll never be thirsty again. It will sustain us. It will keep us going. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't do that to us? If our God just left us to fend for ourselves? My children, yeah, they're on the earth. Don't know how they're doing, but they're doing all right, I think. Someone hasn't died. Well, they might have done. No, he provides for us because he loves us. And he's sustaining us because he wants the best for us. He goes above and beyond to nurture us, to nurture us, to fulfill us, to keep us alive. So my fifth and final point this morning is arranging a vase. Ooh. Oh, you're all quite quiet this morning. Ooh. (laughs) So we have cut the end of the flower off. We have taken off the thorns and we stripped back the leaves and the stuff that we don't want. We have taken off the guard petals and we made the flowers look nice, neat and clean so we can encourage them to open up. The fifth and final thing we do is that we arrange it in a vase. So I'm going to do a very quick vase arrangement for you. So, when you're arranging a vase, you kind of want to start with a focal point. So, you want a central flower that you can arrange everything around, because it's nice to have a central thing, because when you put it in a vase, it just kind of, eh, doesn't it really? So, if you have a, ne- a central flower, so a nice straight one, and like this one, and then you slowly build the flowers around them, and you rotate them, so you get a nice central one in the middle, And you can pop all the other ones around the outside. Adjusting as you go as well. I'm trying to do this as quick as possible. So all the dads that are buying flowers for your mums and your wives, this is how you do it. Take take note. There we go. So we've got a f- central one, and then we build all the flowers around it. So you've got a focal point in the middle, so you get a nice round end. Also, with ones that I've got, so I've got a couple in here that I've got a bit of a, a, bit of a kink in the neck. They're quite good for the outside ones because then you can have them facing outwards as well. So once you do that, you can either tie it. I'm not going to tie it because it's going to take some time, but you literally just cut the ends off and plomp them in the We'll move slightly as well. But that's how you arrange them in a vase. <laughs> My final verse this morning, just following on from our in the flower, is verse 39. So many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because, they, because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So Samaritan village was there for a reason, wasn't it? That woman was at the well for a reason, for a purpose. So like we said, we see her at the beginning of the story where she's avoiding people, taking water from the well at noon, not wanting to make eye contact, not wanting to have those conversations. And then she goes at this end of the story declaring into this village, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Come and meet the Messiah, the one that the Jews believe in. Come and meet him. You know that every encounter with Jesus has a purpose. Every conversation with God has a purpose. It's not something that we should go around with our heads down, not making eye contact, avoiding, avoiding conversations. Like if I was known for my roots, I would be known as a person that compares himself to everyone else, a person that has insecurities. But if I don't tell anyone about the encounter that I've had with Jesus, what's the point of knowing Jesus? What's the point of having that encounter if you don't declare it? Like this woman, she goes from not wanting to converse with anyone, not wanting to make eye contact with anyone, to declaring, he's my God, this is the Messiah. He's nourishing me. He's giving me life, living water. I don't want to go back to just drawing water from a well, not having conversations with people, keeping my head low and then just trudging back to my house locking the door and sitting in my shame, sitting in my hurt, sitting in the things that people have told me about, myself. We need to be nurtured and cared for, don't we, as humans? We need love. We need support. We need kind words spoken of us. We need to be lifted up. We need praise, don't we? We need mums that are there to support and love us. Lewis um, actually said something in Heart for the House last week when we were praying for Mother's Day and for the outreach that happened yesterday. And he said, um, God, you are exactly what we need when we need it. You can be mother when we need to be nurtured and cared for. And you can be father when we need someone strong to stand on. But even dads need a mum. even fathers who have daughters need to be mum to their daughters god is mother and father for us he's exactly what we need when we need it and that encounter with god isn't something that we should be hiding it's something that we should be praising we should be lifting up like this woman the woman at the well that encounter changed her life completely. It changed everything that she was, didn't it? It stripped off all of those layers for her. And in that vast verse, it says that, by, it says that many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of her story. You don't know the impact that being a central flower in a, in a vase can have on other people. The ripple effect that it can cause. The fact that you're being nurtured and supported by our living God. The one that breathes life. What could that do for others around you today? When God takes the root of your life or takes the root of your issues or your insecurities, it can change so many people. Because you could be known for the person that's quiet or known for the person that's been abused. But he can change that completely. He can change your world and the world of those around us. Because he's nurturing us and he's fed us. Because he's cut those roots. He's given you a new wound that you can take in new life, new fresh living water that's going to help you to grow. Let's not sit in our own bubbles, in our own communities, in our mother's group, in our church groups, in our life groups. Let's not just stay in those little groups. Let's open up our stories to those around us, to the people in our lives, to our neighbors, to our school friends. To our university friends. Because you don't know what that can do for others. You don't know what living water they're going to encounter. The fresh life that they're going to get from that.